This is the Calm Living Blueprint Podcast, episode number 24. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are feeling alone in your pursuit of calm and confidence, know that today, right now, in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of others all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. At Calm Living, we believe it's only when we stop struggling against our fearfulness and our anxiety that we begin to find lasting freedom from it, to live the lives we want to live. That is what this podcast is about. Come join the Confidence Revolution. Well, hello. Welcome to episode 24 of the Calm Living Blueprint podcast. My name is Candice Esposito and I'll be your host. Thanks for listening in. I hope this finds you doing well. So the other day, one of my clients said, maybe it's too late for me. Maybe it's too late for me. She felt defeated, like things had never gone right for her. And she felt hopeless that things would ever go right for her. My heart sank when I heard her say those words because I knew for a fact that it wasn't true. How did I know? Well, I'll get to that in just a moment. Now, this wasn't a one-time thought. This particular person had this thought before, and I've had other clients share similar hopeless thoughts and feelings. I myself have had these thoughts before. Maybe you have too. Maybe you've gotten to a place where you start questioning yourself, thinking, are my best days behind me? Is it too late? Have I missed out on my life? Have I missed my big opportunity? Is the rest of my life just more of the same old, same old? Well, as I told my client, nothing could be further from the truth. And I actually know that to be a fact. And in this podcast episode, I'll share how I know that to be a fact. And I'll offer some tips to handle these types of hopeless thoughts and feelings so that they don't inhibit you from doing what you want to do. As always, a quick reminder that the show notes for every episode are available on the Calm Living Blueprint website. The show notes include the mp3 recording, the transcript of the podcast, any resources mentioned, as well as the home play that I recommend in each episode. The show notes for today's episode can be found at calmlivingblueprint.com forward slash 24. And that's the number 24, 24 as an episode number 24. And if you'd like to join the Calm Living Blueprint members program and work with me personally, you can find out more information on the calmlivingblueprint.com about how you can do just that. I'm uploading this podcast a little later than I had planned. Uh, Last week I ran into internet issues due due to some bad weather that we've been having here. And then this past weekend I traveled to Toronto for our annual naturopathic doctors convention. 
I think the delay in getting this out to you was actually a bit of a blessing in disguise though, since I can incorporate some of what I learned at the convention into this episode. Uh, The theme of our convention was healthy aging, something that really anyone can benefit from. But in particular, when we talk about mindset and perspective, I think it's something that will complement what we're talking about in this episode really well. I mean, what's the major factor that helps someone live until they're over 100 years old? And I'm talking with a good quality of life. Is it genetics? Diet? Exercise? Sure, those play a role. However, I think the biggest factor is mindset. And mindset comes down to perspective and resiliency. And I'll explain what I mean by those terms a little later. There's new research coming out all the time that supports this, as I learned at the convention. Think about it. Have you ever spoken to a miserable 100-year-old person? Even if you've never spoken to someone that age, you've probably watched an interview or listen to someone that age being interviewed, you know, how did they seem? How did they sound? Did you get a sense of their outlook on life? I'll post links to a few examples on the Calm Living Blueprint site. Of course, this isn't an episode about living to be 100, but in a lot of cases, when someone says something like, it's too late for me, they're often referring to their age, right? Or at least the notion of time that they've run out of time. For example, I've had a client in his 40s who believed that he would never date. Social anxiety had made it difficult for him to approach women to ask them out on a date, and he had never dated. Yet. In his mind, though, there was this cutoff point after reaching the age of 40, like that couldn't happen for him anymore. He had missed out on the opportunity of dating, which he associated with occurring mostly in his 20s and early 30s. And I've spoken to many, many people with similar concerns and beliefs. These limiting beliefs when it comes to time and age can apply to any area of our life, right? Not just dating, I mean, getting a new job or changing a career, getting married, making new friends, traveling, moving to a new city, having a new experience, basically changing your life. Age, therefore, does seem to play a role since we've created this notion of time for ourselves. This idea that we have to accomplish whatever it is we want to accomplish within this set period of time, or else it's over for us. Well, I want you to consider this. Consider that Michelangelo's greatest works occurred toward the end of his life. Colonel Sanders, the guy that started Kentucky Fried Chicken, started the business at age 68, and he started it by paying with his social security checks. When Colonel Sanders was 25 years old, he still had yet to be a fireman, a street conductor, a farmer, a steamboat operator, and finally a businessman. Rodney Dangerfield, the famous comedian, didn't succeed in comedy until his 40s. He was an aluminum siding salesman, And he had to start his own comedy club in order to actually perform as a comedian because no one would hire him to perform in in their club. I mean, talk about a guy choosing to succeed, but of course, not until his 40s. Ray Kroc was a milkshake salesman into his 50s. Then he stumbled onto a clean restaurant that served a good hamburger run by two brothers with the last name McDonald. 
He bought McDonald's when he was 52. Raymond Chandler, the most successful noir fiction novelist of all time, wrote his first novel at age 52. But he was young compared with Frank McCourt, who won the Pulitzer Prize for his first novel, Angela's Ashes, written when he was 66. And of course, Julia Child was young 50 when she wrote her first cookbook. Stan Lee, the great comic book creator, created the entire universe for which he's known, the Marvel Universe, when he was 44, inventing the characters Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, and all the rest. Harry Bernstein was a total failure when he wrote his best-selling memoir, The Invisible Wall. His prior 40 novels, yes, 40 novels, had been rejected by publishers. When his memoir came out, he was 93 years old. He said, if I had not lived until I was 90, I would not have been able to write this book. God knows what other potential lurks in other people if we could only keep them alive well into their 90s. Charles Darwin was considered a little bit off in his day. He liked to just collect plants and butterflies on remote islands in the Pacific. And then he wrote Origin of Species when he was 50. Henry Ford was a failure at his first Model T car. He invented that when he was 45. But he didn't have the productivity efficiencies of the assembly line yet, which he didn't develop until he was 60. Perhaps the most interesting example is Steve Jobs. Right? Steve Jobs co-founded Apple at a young age and gave consumers the first graphical user interface. But then he was fired from the company. Although Jobs' Apple almost went out of business, his real crowning achievements, the iPod, iPhone, and iPad, came after his return in 1996 and weren't released until he reached his 50s. Okay, and those are just a handful of stories. I could go on and on, but I think you get the picture. Now, this isn't meant to be inspirational, although feel free to take inspiration from these stories if you wish. I'm not even trying to say the journey is worth it. I'm simply trying to point out, it's not too late. If that's what you really want, it's not too late. And maybe more importantly, that you're not alone in your doubts and struggles. The thing is, did these people let their thoughts of doubt and worry stop them from taking action, from doing what they wanted to do? Sure, I mean, you may have no interest in writing a best-selling novel or starting your own company. That's not the point here. The point is that you can apply this to anything. I mean, asking someone out on a date, giving someone a call, applying for a promotion, regardless of what it is that you truly want, it's not too late. There's a wonderful section in the book, The Noticer, by Andy Andrews. The noticer follows an elderly man named Jones as he wanders into and out of the lives of several people. No one knew where he came from or where he slept at night. All they knew about him was that he seemed to know everything about them and he knew exactly when to stop by to offer much needed advice. Well, one of the people Jones meets is Willow. And Willow is an elderly lady who had recently lost her husband and was questioning her own existence. Jones gently points out to her, If you are breathing, you are still alive. If you are alive, then you are still here, physically, on this planet. 
If you are still here, then you have not completed what you were put on earth to do. That means your very purpose has not yet been fulfilled. If your purpose has not yet been fulfilled, then the most important part of your life has not yet been lived. And if the most important part of your life has not yet been lived, Jones pauses here to see if Willow is following his train of thought. And after a moment, Willow does finish his thought by saying, That is my proof of hope. That is my proof of hope. And Jones agrees with her. Yes, it is. If the most important part of your life is ahead of you, then even during the worst times, one can be assured that there is more laughter ahead, more success to look forward to, more children to teach and help, more friends to touch and influence. There is proof of hope for more. And how far into the future could we go, dear lady, Joan says, to show how many lives you will touch. There are generations yet unborn whose very lives will be shifted and shaped by the moves you make and the actions you take tonight and tomorrow and tomorrow night and the next day and the next. No matter your age, physical condition, financial situations, color, gender, emotional state, or belief, everything you do, every move you make, matters to all of us and forever isn't that a beautiful way of putting it that is my proof of hope and that's how i know it's not too late it's my proof of hope now for those of you who may be interested in more scientific proof i encourage you to check out the positive aging newsletter by psychologists ken and mary gergen and that contains numerous studies that show that positive shifts in mindsets and behaviors can happen at any age. And I'll include a link in the show notes for you. Earlier, I brought up the concept of resiliency. Resiliency is basically about one's ability to cope with life's frustrations, the ability to bounce back from setbacks, to adapt to change, and manage stress more effectively. Each of the people I mentioned earlier, from Colonel Sanders to Steve Jobs, were resilient, right? They had practiced and strengthened their resiliency. Resiliency is not some trait that you're born with. It's not something that you either have or you don't have. Okay, it's an ability, and we all have the opportunity to strengthen and practice resiliency. So how do we strengthen our resiliency? Well, one way is to elevate your perspective. Okay, so there's a difference, a significant difference between having big problems and making your problems big. Okay, having big problems versus making your problems big. By elevating your perspective, you'll be able to see your problems for what they are. Hurdles to be scaled, sure, but not end-of-the-world catastrophes that are insurmountable or impossible to overcome. Another thing you can do is ask yourself, am I letting my situation define me? Have you allowed yourself to be defined 
by a past event in your life? And is that definition holding you back from being the person you want to be? Margie Worrell says in her book, Find Your Courage, that our heartaches, hurdles, and hardships can shape us, but they don't have to define us. When life deals us particularly tough blows, we have to be even more vigilant about not succumbing to a victim mentality, because that can render us powerless to shape our future. Rather, respond to our challenges in a way that extracts wisdom from them, grows confidence in ourselves, and adds a deeper dimension to our experience of life. So this idea of being a victor over life's hurdles rather than a victim. Okay, so just shifting your perspective or your definition of how you're defined by these situations in your life. Another step you can take is to accept reality. And accepting reality is something we've talked a lot about in past episodes, right? Making space for the discomfort. It isn't about being passive or giving in to despair or resignation. It's simply giving up your argument that life should be any different. Accepting that your life won't always conform to plans, hopes, and expectations is essential to responding to your situation in the most resilient way possible. And you can focus on what's in your control. Focus on what's in your control. Why waste your energy complaining about what you can't do, don't want, or can't have? Make the most of what you can do with the resources you currently have. I mean, do you think the Wright brothers would have invented flight? by worrying or ruminating about the law of gravitational pull? Of course not. And finally, don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. Research shows that people who have stronger support networks cope better in difficult times. So don't let false pride, timidity, or trying to avoid appearing needy keep you from reaching out, sharing what you're dealing with, and asking for support. It can literally add years to your life. So if you don't have that in your life right now, if you don't have a support system, seek it out. And that's one of the big reasons why I created the Calm Living Blueprint, to create a safe, non-judgmental community of people who can support each other. Alright, so I hope what I've shared helps you find your proof of hope. As George Bernard Shaw said, people are always blaming their circumstances for what they are. I don't believe in circumstances. The people who get on in this world are the people who get up and look for the circumstances they want. And if they can't find them, make them. I think Shaw is onto something there. I would just add that people of any age can do this. So, are you going to let doubts like, it's too late, stop you? Or, are you going to take action even in the face of those doubts? Till next time, I'm Candice Esposito. Keep calm and carry on. (music) 